Welcome to Revealed Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. We're starting a brand new chapter this year, and uh, last year we only got through one chapter. We've only got two more to go, so with... uh, God's leadership and guidance we may actually finish the book of Ephesians this year and uh, then you may ask where are we going from there I have no idea God hasn't told me yet but Ephesians is where we're at so if you will take your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word if you'd be so kind as to stand with me this morning so Ephesians chapter 5 in the very first verse it reads like this Therefore, be followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us and an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather Giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Father, this morning we have worshiped you through our singing we've worshiped you through our giving we've worshiped you through our fellowship and our time with the children this morning and now father it's the intent of our heart to worship you through your word we can only do that by being solely focused upon you in this moment so i ask this of you you set aside those thoughts and things of the outside world let our attention be only upon you and what you're going to say to us this morning i ask that you make very little of me and very much of yourself as we share your word this morning. This we pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning we start this new chapter. It's kind of fitting because it is a new year for us. So we're starting this new chapter, but it's a new chapter with an old theme. And I I thought as I studied this, as I first read it, I said, I've already seen this mentioned in Ephesians. I've already seen this mentioned several times in Ephesians. I wonder why Paul is mentioning it again. And in studying it, it came to me. You know, the Bible and preaching is is not like taking a class in school. See, when you go sit in a class in school, let's say you're sitting in a mathematics class, they're going to teach you how to do algebra. So you go in and you sit down in that class and they start at the beginning, hopefully, of algebra. And you pick up on the beginning and they build on it all through the year of how to do algebra. With the sole intent that at the end of that class, you have the ability to do algebra. Well, I happened to see this week somebody in our midst posted they got a new whiteboard in their classroom to hold an algebra equation. Did anybody else happen to see that picture? I was thinking to myself that if I needed, if I had a whiteboard to do all the algebra I knew, we probably could have fit it on a whiteboard that big. <laughs> she had a whiteboard that would have filled up that hole back there with one big equation on it. And I know what it was there for. I have no idea how to work it, but it was there to teach something that you walk away from having learned, hopefully never having to go back there again. You know, the Bible's not like that, yet we approach it that way. We approach it that way. I know even as I read that, some of you thought, I've already heard this theme. I've already seen this one time. Why are we going there again? 
You see, the Bible is very different. Preaching, I have discovered in the last two weeks, is very different than teaching the Bible. See, teaching the Bible is to insert and steal within your heart something that you learn and build upon. That's not what the Bible and, and the preaching of God's Word is about. See, God repeats it very many times in very many different ways from very many different angles for a reason. Because it should stay on the forefront of our hearts. It's not something that you're going to take into your life and then say, I've got that checked off. I can move on to the next thing. You see, what, what God is telling us here is the same thing that he's told us through the whole book of Ephesians in very many different ways. He's saying that as Christians, we're to walk in love. We are to walk in love. How do we know that he is saying that, that this is a repeat or that this is building on something, that this is, is something we've already been over, but we're going to talk about it again? It, it's very simple. I've told you a dozen times this very statement. The very first word in the very first uh, verse of chapter 5 is the word therefore. What is therefore? Therefore. <laughs> See, therefore is a word that points backwards. Backwards. If I were to tell you that don't go down that road over there because I've been and the bridge is out, so therefore you can't use that road. You need to use a different one. What I'm telling you is something I've already heard, already experienced, already seen, and I'm asking you to use that knowledge that I have gained to go a different direction. You see, what Jesus has done many times whenever he teaches is point backwards at something. And here Paul is imitating what Christ does in his teaching. And he's saying this, I've, I've written three chapters of, of theology to you about who you are in Christ, which should excite you and, and, and build you up to learn how to apply that. So then he moves into chapter 4 and he, he applied it for us. For an entire year we applied that. And now he starts off chapter 5 saying, Therefore, everything you heard from me in the first three chapters, everything that I applied or helped you apply in chapter 4, therefore, under that understanding, let's move forward. So what are the things that he said? If we, if we look immediately right back into chapter 4 where we just left, he told us a few things. In verse 25, he said that we are to put off lying and we are to put on truth because we are no longer the old man. We are a brand new creation. We haven't been just touched up. We've been recreated as a new person, a new being. We should put off lying then and put on truth. We should, in verse 26, put off uh, anger and, and put on forgiveness. In verse 28, he said, put away stealing and, and put on the giving of, of love. In verse 29, he says, corrupt speech and, and, and edifying, uh, edif uh, corrupt speech we should put off and should put on the edifying and the graceful language of Christ. See, and then he moves from there into this fifth chapter saying, now, with that understanding, walk in love. For many of us, we stop and think and, and we believe we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what it means to walk in love. We should be kind and gentle and loving and everything's okay. That's not what it means to walk in love. We'll look at exactly what it means in just a few minutes. But we have to stop and say, okay, the therefore said putting off and putting on these things. But there's a couple of verses there at the end of chapter 4, Roger, you, you didn't mention. These are the verses that lead directly into what we're going to talk about this morning. As a setup for the passage, because we won't get into the meat of it this morning, we'll pick up there next week. But I find it interesting, uh, with all the things he's told us in the preceding chapters, we're to do something. There's something we're to do with all this information. And what has he told us in the closing of the preceding chapter 4 that we are to do? He says in verse 31, 
We're to let go of bitterness. We're to let go of wrath. We're to let go of anger. We're to let go of clamor. We're to let go of evil speaking. And we're to let go of all malice. Verse 31 says, these are the things that you need to, you have to, you must let go of because of what Christ has done for you. Thankfully, he doesn't leave us hanging there. He moves to verse 32 and he says, and we're to be kind to one another. We're to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Notice how he makes it very personal. He says, you are to forgive because Christ has forgiven you. Let us never forget. Salvation is personal. Salvation is not corporate. What we do in this place on Sunday morning as a corporate body is not salvation. You don't get saved because the church gets saved. You don't get saved because your mom and dad got saved. You don't get saved because you've been in church all of your life. Salvation is personal. And he ends that fourth chapter with saying, we're to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and reminds us why? Because of Christ forgave us first. See, the therefore is referring to those verses. So he, he wraps up the end of the chapter really telling us what love is. Verse 32 is a picture of love. Verse, verse 32 is the picture when it says being kind, because when you love someone, you're kind to them. You're tenderhearted when they hurt, you hurt. And you know what? When you love someone, when you're filled with love, the most grandiose sign of the love that is with you is the forgiveness that you give to others. And that's where he starts chapter 5. I just love it. See, Paul never uses the word love. He just paints the picture of love. And then he says, therefore, be followers of God. Therefore, be followers of God. If you're using any translation other than, than the King James Version, you may have a different word there and you caught a hint of it whenever I talked to the children this morning, and that word is imitators. You see, imitators, the, the word that is used there in the, in the Greek for that, that we translate followers uh, in the King James and imitators in the, in the newer translations is uh, mimetas, mimetas. The word itself should ring a bell with an English word that we use. It's called mimic, to mimic. You see, when we read it, we think about, just like the kids, when I first said, follow me, did you notice? I walked one way, and each of them walked their own way. They were headed the exact same place I was going, but they were doing it in their own manner. See, some of us think to follow God that that's the way you do it. It's not the instruction that he gave us. The instruction that he gave us was to mimic or imitate God. To mimic or imitate See, the first thing I think that we need to ask ourselves is, how are we following God? Are we doing it in our own manner because we desire to do it in a different way? Or are we, in fact, being imitators or mimics of God? See, I'm not a great big fan of the way church is done in a lot of places now. Because you walk into a place, you see church done in a manner that looks no different than the outside world. It looks no different. I'm not against the, the music or against the... And I think people are attracted to different things. But I think anytime that you do anything for God, it should be obvious that you are a mimic or an imitator of God, not a mimic or an imitator of the world. For instance, we've gone out and helped people rebuild houses and donated things. 
Do you realize we can do that and not be a Christian? You can do that. There are a lot of organizations that do the exact same thing we did as a church. Yet we should do it in such a manner that they see a picture of God, a picture of Jesus, that we mimic what he would do. Is it uncomfortable at times to do that? Absolutely. But remember how uncomfortable it was for our Jesus to leave a place called heaven to come to this? We're desiring to go to the place he freely left for us. For him to mimic or imitate God, his father, required him to get very uncomfortable. And I think sometimes we take the worship of God so lightly that we say, hey, as long as we're headed the right direction, it doesn't matter what we do to get there. I beg your pardon. I think it does. I absolutely think it does. I think everything that we say, everything that we do, every action that we take, if it doesn't sow Jesus, we shouldn't do it. Am I saying throw out the contemporary music? No. Don't read between the lines. There are people that that speaks to their heart, but it needs to be done in such a way that they realize it's all about Jesus. You see, I see these artists that transfer over from being pop stars to Christian musicians and back to pop stars and... I'll be honest with you, I have to stop and wonder where their heart's at. And I hear their stories and say, well, I can reach more lost people by doing this. Yes, you can, but you can also lead more lost people to a place called hell by not making sure Jesus is the center of what you're doing. So I'm not saying that you have to give up the things the world does, but you need to redeem those things that you do that look like the world and make them look like God. God needs to be the center of those things. And that's what he's saying when he says to us, we are to mimic Our steps, our thoughts, our actions, all those things are to mimic God. How important was it to Paul that he imitated Christ? I just stopped and I just just shot down just a couple of these. We're going to have a Bible drill here with you trying to keep up really quick. But look at 1 Corinthians with me. We're just going to look at a couple of of passages really fast and see what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't keep up, uh, get with me. I'll give you the list. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 16. He says this. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. He says, just point blank, he looks at these guys, looks at Timothy and says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. At, At first reading, you think, Paul thinks a lot of himself, doesn't he? Paul looks at him and says, No, you imitate me. He goes on to say in 17, for this reason I urge you, uh, or for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach you everywhere in every church. See, what Paul was saying is, I want you to follow me. I want you to imitate me. I want you to be exactly like me because (laughs) I'm being exactly like Christ. See, not only says it there, but in chapter 11, he says basically the same thing. Chapter 11, verse 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Are you starting to see a theme? That verse that I read over in Philippians 3 that I read for the kids while ago. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He even goes on in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And you'll notice I'm working from the left to the right so you can try to catch up. In verses 6 and 7, it says... 
and you become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all of Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Notice now he's not only said, follow me because I followed Christ, do as Timothy and the other leaders, but now you, because of the joy in the Holy Spirit, because you're following me, because you're being like Christ, now you have become an example to all of Macedonia and Achaia. Notice the transition. Notice the pattern that's starting to happen. He moves on in the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians, uh, verse 14, and he says this. He says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. Now he said, not only have I told you to follow me because I follow Christ, not only have you followed Timothy and the other leaders, not only now have you become a witness and an example to those others, but guess what? You're following as a church the other churches. Do you start seeing a pattern building? Look over in Hebrews. It gets even better when you move over into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. You never thought you were going to get a Bible drill in church. But Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He also not only is saying, follow me, do those things, but there is a tendency, the longer you follow, the more sluggish you get in the following. There is a tendency that as you're imitating, you either start thinking, I have a better way, or you start thinking, I just need to take a break. Pick on the old people for a few minutes. If you don't feel like you're old, this doesn't apply, so there'll be no need to come to my office and discuss this with me afterwards. But you know what happens in most churches as it gets older in population? The church becomes less effective in the community. Why? Why would a church with older people be less effective in the community? See, it makes no sense to me. Wouldn't you assume... That a person who, let's say, comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at the age, ripe old age of 15, and spends 40 years sitting under the teaching of the Word of God and, and takes that all in, wouldn't you think after 40 years they would be more effective in sharing the gospel than they were at 15? Then why, as the church gains in age, does it become less effective? Because people don't understand that when you come and you hear the Word of God, you're not just hearing it for you. You're hearing it to be what Paul told the church is an imitator of Christ so that others can imitate you. I'll tell you what was really scary for me when I was reading these passages this week and studying those. I wonder who's imitating me and what are they becoming because of me? Have you ever thought about that in your Christian walk? Have you ever thought when you saw those kids lined up that the Jesus that they know looks like you? Have you ever thought that they're going to grow up to think this is what being a Christian is all about? If that doesn't make you get out of the pew and go do something, there's something wrong with your relationship with Christ. Because see, those little kids are going to look to you to understand how to walk the Christian walk. They're going to look to me as the pastor to understand how to walk the Christian walk. What if I decided two or three weeks a month that I was just too tired to preach and y'all could just have a song service and go home? 
After the course of a year, what would you think the importance of the spoken word in church would be? You would think it would be very little. Yet you know me well enough to understand that I believe the Word of God is the important thing that we do in church. Therefore, I, no matter how I feel, no matter what I feel like, no matter how tired I am, I will always endeavor to preach the Word of God because I want you to imitate me. Along with that comes a lot of pain at times because there are times that I want to do something very different than what God wants me to do. But you know the thought that comes to my mind? It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And what God wants me to do is look just like Christ and what Paul is saying over and over and over again. What the writers of Hebrews, what, what the other authors of the New Testament are saying is, hey, be like me because I'm taking the time to be like Christ. If you're not taking the time to be like Christ, please don't tell anybody to be like you because you will be responsible. You'll be responsible the day you stand before Jesus for what you have done with the knowledge you have about this Jesus. What is different in your life because you have met this Jesus? And if the only answer you can give is, well, I went to church almost every Sunday. I only missed when I was really sick. If that's the only answer you can give, you run the possibility of Christ looking you in the eye and say, depart from me because I do not know you. I do not say that lightly. But attendance at church on Sunday morning is not being a Christian. I don't know any other way to put it. Being a Christian is being like Christ. What if Christ, the day they were nailing the, him to the cross, said, you know what, I just remembered I have something else to do and climbed off of it. What if he said, it's not the day that I want to worship. There's a good game on. I want to go do something else. What if he'd have climbed off the cross? You know where we'd have spent eternity? In a place called hell. Rightfully so. You see, we have to understand to be a Christian means we've got to look like Christ. Christ gave everything up for you. Everything. He stood in the presence of his Father, never having known anything but the glory of God. And he said, I will lay that aside to go hang up on a cross because they chose to sin. To imitate Christ means that you no longer are in charge of who you are. Christ is. Because Christ bought you with his blood at the cross. Is it tough being a Christian? Absolutely. Is it tough walking the walk? Absolutely. There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, 13, and it says this. And who is he who will harm you? If you become followers of what is good, who is he that will harm you? You see, we think about our life. We think about the pains that are brought upon us sometimes to do the thing that Christ calls us to do. But God asked the question, who is it that's going to have the ability to harm you if you're walking the Christ-like walk? You see, Paul and the other leaders <laughs> continually exhorted the church as they led them. They continually exhorted the church to be like them. Church, I ask you, what is the generation following us going to be like because of us? Who are they going to be? What, what are they going to look like as far as their relationship with Christ? Are they going to believe that to be a Christian means to walk an aisle and be baptized and show up on Sunday morning at church? 
Are they going to believe that to be a Christian is to make sure you put something in the offering plate when it passes? Are they going to believe that to be a Christian is to bow your head and pray before you eat? Are they going to believe that to be a Christian is to dust off your Bible and bring it every time you come to church because that's what is important? Or are they going to believe that to be a Christian means you're sold out, that you are all in, that there is nothing you desire that doesn't point towards Christ? That there is nothing that you do that doesn't highlight Christ in your life. That there is no conversation you have that doesn't talk about how big God is in your life. There's no action that you do that doesn't show the love of God. You see, to be a Christian is not an easy task. If it was, everybody would do it. See, to be a Christian means that you are no longer yourself, but you are now what Christ has made you. And what has Christ made us to be? Imitators of God. He has made us to be imitators of God. I'll stop there this morning with that thought. That thought, if, if Christ were to call us at this moment, if Christ were to call us to come before him, and he said, what in your life tells someone else how to be a Christian? What in your life, what vision will somebody have of me? If Christ stood before you, you said, what vision would someone have of me if they read the story of your life? What vision, what, what would they know about my Father in heaven if they saw a movie played back of your life? How would they know that God loved them by how you act in this world? What if he said it to each of us individually? What if he stood before this church and said, church, what does the neighbor right next door know about God because of the life of this church? I think each of us in the quietness of this place probably had something just come through our mind that we would hope would be on the editing floor of the movie room and not played. We would hope would be scratched out by the editor and not written in the book that was read. I think each of us can look at our life and say, there is this thing that I do, that I do continually, that I have not asked forgiveness for, that I don't desire to change, that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, does not show the world my Jesus. You see, the depth of your showing the world Jesus is an exact depth of how much you know Jesus has done for you. The life that you live will reflect how much you think Christ has done in you. I ask you this morning, church, do you love God? Do you love him with all of your heart? Do you love him with all of your heart because you realize that you hated him at one time with all of your heart? And he said, I forgive you. And he did it with the blood that flowed from his only begotten son, who willingly crawled upon a cross for your sins. As Paul said, remember how great a love Christ had for you. This morning, I think the proper response to the understanding of what Christ has done for us is to ask for forgiveness of those things that we have yet to come before Christ, come before God in agreement that we have committed See, for each of us, harbor that sin in our life that we hold tucked away thinking no one sees. 
Yet God sees. And the gracious, loving God says if we will only confess that sin, He is there to wash it away, to cover it so that it's no longer seen. One day when you stand before Christ and you're about to enter heaven, if if He says, why should I let you in? And you say, I don't know, because I did this, He's going to go, I don't remember. But I did, I don't remember. Why is He not going to remember? Because you've gotten on your knees before Him and said, I did this and I need your forgiveness for it. Before you stand in His presence on the last day. You see, this morning as a church, we need individually to repent. We need corporately to repent. And we need to seek God's face so that we walk as imitators of God. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.